Tango Tango Papa, 2125, October 29, 2023. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you, coming to you from home. So I got home, uh, it was uh, like 3 o'clock, 3.30, 3 o'clock Sunday, or Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Thursday morning, and... uh, so I've got, uh, you know, today's today was Sunday. It's, late, it's kind of later in the evening now. Uh, so I have Tuesday or Monday and Tuesday, and then I have to go back to work on uh, Wednesday. So uh, Monday, let's see. No, no, no. Friday. <laughs> Get the days all mis- mixed up. Friday, uh, we were still pretty warm. It was like up to like 76, 78 degrees and until about 1 o'clock, and then it started cooling off, and it r- rained somewhat, and it uh, rained kind of a light, mostly light rain all day yesterday, and then it rained again today, uh, kind of a, mostly light, except there was one period where, uh, I guess a cold front, you know, because it had already cooled off but this other cold front came through and it rained pretty heavily for a while and then it uh you know it's probably drizzling right now i'm not exactly sure but uh it's supposed to get down to uh, a low of uh, 27 tonight and then over the next few days you know it'll warm up you know like uh, maybe into the 50s and then maybe by the end of the week like 65 and then uh, you know but be cold at night so you know and then uh, I think tomorrow is actually supposed to be sunny or at least partly cloudy so uh, air will still be cold but it'll be uh, you know the sun will be out so but at the moment it's a little chilly you know, it's, it's really wet, and I think it's probably, it's actually a little bit foggy, too. I haven't uh, been outside now. I got home, uh, well, I went to town earlier. I met one of my younger brothers and his wife uh, for lunch, and then uh, I came back home, and I haven't really been outside since then, so... But I do think that it, you know, it's still kind of cold and drizzly. And at one point, it seemed like there was a little bit of wind because, you know, I could see the, you know, leaves and branches kind of moving around a little bit. So I think it probably is raining right now. Uh, But, you know, I'm inside, so, and it's warm. (laughs) So uh, it's been a little over a month since the... uh, last uh, podcast so I you know nothing you know nothing really out of the ordinary has happened I you know I'm just going to do it you know this past uh, 
time I was out in the truck, uh, you know, it's kind of the typical stuff, except the mix of loads, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like overnight type loads. Uh, you know, and there are always there are always those sorts of loads. You know, the the the. You know, there's some drivers that want long haul loads, and they just want long haul loads only. Well, that's not the you know the real mix of loads. There's going to be some that are longer, but uh, there's going to be a whole lot of them that are. Uh, you know, let's say, let's say six hundred miles or less which that's, uh, you know, like 500 miles or whatever. That's usually like an overnight type thing. And so the problem with that is that, uh, you know, you know, I've ended up with, uh, uh, different, you know, differing, uh, loading and delivery appointments so that, that, I end up having to kind of keep switching my hours around, and then a lot of those loads pick up and then deliver in areas where there are no truck stops. or, And then, of course, a lot of the shippers and receivers don't have overnight parking, and so then I've got to be very uh, careful and cre- kind of creative about where I'm going to park at. And, you know, so it's, I don't know. And the other thing, you know, there's always road construction and then, uh, you know, driving at night in road construction can kind of suck because, they, you know, sometimes the lanes are really narrow. And then if you, you throw in, uh, it's at night and then you throw in some sort of rain or something and then it uh, becomes that much more, you know, that much worse, so... You know, and you got people that if it's, let's say, there's two lanes going through road construction, well, you always have the people that, uh, you know, they can't go the speed limit. They've got to, they've got to zip right on through the road construction. And so that, you know, and if you've got narrow lanes on top of that, then it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it can be kind of uh, dislikable. <laughs> So I don't know. I still am really, I really do think I'm going to retire. Uh, you know, I'm still thinking uh, March or April. So as I've said before, in January, I am, you know, after January 1st, I am going to go ahead and sign up for the uh, the uh, Medicare. And then... Uh, once the Medicare's kind of in place, then at that point, it uh, whenever I do quit my job and the uh, health care ends, this you know the 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 employer provided health care ends, then it will be uh, you know you know I've already got the Medicare in place. Now, I really don't plan on using the Medicare any more than I've made use of the uh, employer-provided health care. The employer-provided health care, I've made very minimal use of that uh, at any point, and uh, I I really don't plan on making much, you know, any use or much use of the Medicare at all unless I just, you know, unless there's, you know, it gets to a case where it's, 
you know, kind of have to, but uh, so we'll see. But don't really plan on using it. I know some some people. I've got this aunt. It's my dad's youngest sister, and she she's she kind of knows it herself. She's a hypochondriac, and she's constantly going to the doctor. It's like every week it's something, and. I don't know. She does have medical problems. She has had some legitimate problems, but uh, there's a lot of the stuff that's just, you know, that's obvious to me. It's just kind of uh, psychosomatic, you know. And but I and I really do think that if you your attitude really can, yeah, you can have physical problems, but your attitude can uh, really either make those physical problems worse or eliminate a lot of them. You know, maybe not all of them, but, you know, your attitude really does end up figuring into that. So you got to have a good attitude regardless of, you know, and nothing's going to be perfect. You can't just expect, well, if I have the right attitude, then everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to, you know, and it, just doesn't work that way you know you're there's always going to be issues and problems and then then uh, it's up you know to you to develop and continue to to have the right attitude in order to to be able to deal with situations so but uh anyway i've got a couple of um voice files from Joel that I'm going to be kind of playing. Now, he, Joel sent these right after uh, I put up the, you know, the last podcast. So I've been, you know, you know, I've had these files now for about a month. <laughs> Sorry about that, Joel. Uh, just kind of been meaning to record a podcast, but I just never have gotten around to it. So I'm here I am. So, uh, now I, I was, before I play, get into playing Joel's files, I was on the phone with my uh, youngest brother earlier uh, this afternoon. And we were, you know, kind of, you know, if you, t- you know, you have a conversation with me, it's going to end up uh, probably veering into uh, the stuff that I love to talk about. And I don't, don't remember exactly how the conversation meandered into the topic, but I, I started talking about, uh, you know, what, you know, it seems like the, of course, it seems like the world has kind of gone crazy or er than it was because it was already kind of crazy, obviously. Seems like it's gone, it's gotten worse, and it's always getting worse it seemed you know and and i've said for a long time it's going to get you know it's going to continue to get worse but the thing that really drives that the thing that you know like these school shooters or not school shoot but these you know there's been a couple of uh recently there's been you know these mass shootings or whatever like up in maine and then uh i just saw one a thing earlier uh, there was one down in uh, the Tampa Bay area, Florida, and 
you know, what drives people to do that? You know, and I really do believe that uh, it kind of goes back to people, you know, human beings have to search, we have to find meaning. You know, the meaning generally doesn't seem to be provided for us. Now, if you have a, let's, let's say you have a stable society, a really stable one, you know, and, and you know, like the Amish, for example. The Amish are a great example of a pretty stable society. They're very stable. And so it, you know, they've got different systems that have been worked out so that uh, when they raise the they raise their children, they have children, they raise their children, and the children are give you know kind of given a clear path choice, and it is a choice. They're not forced with a, the thing with the Amish. They don't force they don't force their uh, children to join the church. the The children get to a certain you know of age to a certain age. And at some point, they're given the choice. You you know you join the church, and or you just uh, or you can just you know go out into the world and be part of the greater so-called English world, as far as the the Amish that are in, here in the United States. So they're given a choice, and so the you know when they're teenagers, they may the teenagers may buy cars and do all kinds of crazy things. Uh, they're sowing their wild oats, and they even call it that. Uh, but then they're given the choice to either, you know, go off into the world or then they can, you know, join the church and then become, you know, become Amish and join the, you know, kind of become part of the Amish community and live a, you know, a, a strictly kind of Amish lifestyle, you know, and that's always based on the local church because uh, different communities have, you know, kind of can do different things or whatever or have to conform to different rules. But, and they have a very high percentage rate of people deciding that they're going to go ahead and join the church and, and uh, continue to be Amish, even though they do have some dropouts. But they have a very high percentage of people that, that actually make the choice to, to, to be Amish, to join the church. So, but in that case, they're sort of given, this is a choice, they're presented with this choice, and it's really a choice of meaning. And it's all, it's uh, sort of set up so that uh, this is what we've decided is meaningful, and, and you can either choose this, or if you think it's going to be more meaningful to just go out into the greater world, then go out into, you know, you're free to go. But they they have a, a really pretty good structure that's set up that's that's def well defined. But you know, if you're not Amish, then you know, and you're just part of the greater society, then uh, there's been all kinds of distracting forces that have worked through various uh, very disruptive vectors that have really 
worked to destroy any sense of uh, like here's here's your choice choice for a path forward. You know that you know the children are told, "Oh, you can be anything that you want to be." You know, all you have to do will pressure you into going to, to into going to college, and then you can you, you know then they, there's this vague idea that they're going to be get you know they'll get this cushy job that's going to pay them lots of money, and they're just going to automatically be successful. And uh, I think a lot of people that fall into that trap that, you know, I think a lot of people fall into the trap anyway of thinking that if they do that, then uh, they'll be happy somehow. You know, but really what human beings, if you really think about it, we're looking for meaning. And we have to, you know, even if you're Amish, you've got to find meaning. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you got the, you know, some sort of a structure that's been kind of laid down for you that you can easily move into, sort of as a life's path, you've still got to find meaning. And so there's a lot of people that have kind of, in our, in the greater society, that have sort of been deprived of meaning, and then there's all these distractions, you know. And then, you know, and the the one thing, you know, the one thing that always improves is knowledge, and then technical knowledge and technology, and the big part of that that always improves is communication. And so we've got our communication over my lifetime has really made dramatic strides forward. You know, it used to be you could go back into the 1980s and, you know, you'd have people that were writing letters, you know, so you'd write your letter and then you'd mail it to your friend or your relative. And uh, so you'd, you'd mail your letter, send it to your friend or relative, <clears throat> excuse me, and then they would maybe take a, a few days to... Uh, kind of read your letter and then respond back to it and then they would go to the post office and mail you a letter back. So it might be a couple of weeks. You know, back in the 80s, uh, the trucking companies, you know, which I was, you know, working for a trucking company back then, they had the idea that, you know, they had the billing and so they would, uh, the you know, the load would get hauled and then, you know, the, the paperwork would actually have to, the driver would actually have to mail it in, send it in. And then they would, had women, you know, it was mostly women, or it was all women actually in the building, billing, billing department that would fill out, you know, they'd, uh, you know, do whatever they had to do in order to, you know, bill these, uh, the shippers so that they could get paid. And so there was always a kind of a delay. So they would always try to get paid as soon as they could. Well, you know, what happened eventually, it all became electronic and this stuff just happens like that, you know. So it's, you know, the load gets hauled and then, you know, the company gets paid immediately for it. You know, there's very little uh, delay. So, and that's all well and good, you know, but then, you know, the problem, you know, it, it, every tool 
And that's re- really what we're talking about. Technology is a tool. All this advanced communication that we have, the sped up communication is a tool. But at the same time, it's uh, it's a double. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, and so it, it has really positive aspects to it. But it's also got can have some really negative aspects to it. And so one of the problems is, you know, there's nothing really wrong with the concept of entertainment, but then you can use that as a distraction. So you can just kind of lose yourself in all kinds of games and what have you, and and you know. Uh, you know, endless. Uh, there's just endless entertainment now on the internet. That's just you know, you, you, you can't physically you can't watch all of it. it. You know, you don't have long enough life to watch all of this entertainment that we have now. But what drives people? We're looking. There's some element. You know, like a basic element that's present in human beings. We're looking for meaning. Now the other the other things to kind of keep in mind as a conscious creature the thing and you've heard me say this before the thing that we're most intimate with if you think about it the thing that we are most intimate with is something called conscience and so there's this constant struggle going on uh it you know what's the right thing to do am i right am i wrong you know in the present moment am i is this behavior right is it wrong so there's this constant sort of wrestling is one way to put it that goes on now the word it's really interesting the word israel literally means those who wrestle with God. Those who wrestle with God, that's what Israel means. So, conscience, I really believe, and you've heard me say this before, I really believe conscience is God talking to us. Now, you can think of it you know, I've said before, it's sort of like a, you can think of, you know, this sort of like this ideal blueprint. But then, you know, you have, you know, you can have the concept of the perfect circle. And so you, conceptually, the, 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 the circle can be perfect. But, if, you know, in the physical world, no matter how precisely you, you machine, let's say, some sort of a circular object, it's never going to be perfect. You get down to the to the molecular level and it's not going to be a perfect circle can't be it's not physically possible for it to be perfect so we wrestle or we struggle with but we actually wrestle with our conscience you know now there are bible stories where you know i forget I forget which uh, Bible, you know, one of the, the characters in the Bible story actually wrestled with God physically. And he sort of got God to change his mind, but he, ended, he also ended up with a broken hip. <laughs> you know, so it is possible to sort of you know, negotiate with your conscience. You know, that would be another way of putting it. You know, you can negotiate with your conscience. 
But, and that is part of being a conscious, you know, a conscious entity is that we have this conscience. And so the problem is if you have, but that's, you know, it's necessary to be friends with your conscience. If you really want to find meaning, if you really want to have a meaningful existence, it is absolutely necessary that you be friends with your conscience, and that means that you can't, you can't be enemies with it. You cannot be enemies with it. it you know, it's kind of like if you're healthy, you don't know it. And, you know, until you become ill or you break a bone or whatever, and then you find out, oh, you know, that's what health was because I'd like to get back to it. Same way with, you know, happiness. People think they want to be happy. That's not some, uh, you know, like high emotion or whatever. Some thrill. It's not that. It's, it's like you don't know that you're happy until it's, the happiness is taken away. So, but you need to have some kind of meaning, and that means that you need to be friends with your conscience. And so being friends with your conscience doesn't, you know, what it really means is that, you know, you, know, you can, uh, if you have a kind of a gut feeling, you can actually listen to that gut feeling. That's one thing. And it also means that it's not going to be just, you know, it's not, it's kind of like, you know, if you're healthy and you, you sort of don't, you know, you, you, that's not a feeling. Being happy is really not a feeling. Uh, being friends with your conscience really isn't a feeling. It's just, it's you don't have a guilty conscience. And so there's no... There's nothing that's gnawing at you. And if you can really be friends with your conscience, then you're, you, you know, and like I say, it'll sort of nudge you in the right direction. And you're not arguing with it. And you're not trying to get, find someone, some, something to distract yourself with. It's because that's, I think that's really what, uh, forces a lot of people into distracting themselves is that they've got a, they've got a guilty conscience for whatever reason you know and they'll even deny that they have a guilty conscience or they think the conscience is some sort of a construct of society or whatever but they've got this guilty conscience so then they, you know and they're, they're running away they uh, you know they'll distract themselves with the all there's all these things that lend themselves to distraction and in the meantime, their conscience, they've got this guiltier and guiltier and guiltier conscience that they're trying to escape from. And at some point, and of course they resent it, and then at some point you have some of them that get to the point where they, you know, they hate the world, they hate other people that, that appear to be happy, that appear to, to enjoy existence. They hate those people because it reminds them that they're miserable. So they want to, you know, they'll want to, you know, they want to take out as many people as they can before they kill themselves. And this is this has happened over and over again.
It's an old story. Murder-suicide. But it all goes back to you're driven, as a human being, you're driven to find meaning. And the meaning really isn't going to be found outside of you. It's, it's an internal thing, and, but, and it really revolves around facing, you know, seriously facing your conscience and just allow your conscience to catch up with you. If you can really do that, honestly do that, allow that conscience to catch up with you and you really just sit and listen to it without resenting it because that's a, that's a terrible, that's one of the worst mistakes you can make is resenting your conscience. If you can really do that, then the, you know, the stuff becomes resolved and then it's over with and then you can just uh, kind of happily move forward. It's an, it really is an amazing thing. You know, and it, and it may be something, you know, it may be, it's not going to be something probably for most people that's going to happen instantly. But it requires a change of your own attitude. You know, and whenever your conscience brings something up, you know, and it'll, it'll sneak up on you. If it, you know, if you suddenly find yourself thinking about something that, uh, you know, and it kind of bothers you and you think, oh, I need to distract myself, that's the time right there to really, you know, ask yourself the question, well, what did I do wrong? How could I have, han how could I have handled this situation better? What was my part, what was my part in, in doing, you know, in doing the wrong? Because obviously your conscience, if you're, you're, if you feel guilty about something, you obviously did something wrong, or otherwise you wouldn't. If it was all just innocent whatever, then it was just innocent whatever. But if you did something wrong, then your conscience is going to be bothering you. And it's not a societal construct. But it, uh, another way of putting this is that meaning, you know, people that don't have meaning that uh, become resentful are they, you know, they, you know, the, the, there's this idea of persecution of the innocent. Why would people want to persecute the innocent? Because the innocent remind them of their own guilt. You know, and then they, they think these innocent people, they're the ones that are making me feel guilty. You know, these people, people that, you know, they're the ones that are making me feel guilty. Therefore, you know, if it weren't for them, if they didn't exist, if, if I could just purge them from existence, then uh, I'd be able to just do whatever I want and not feel guilty about it. And, I could, you know, they, you know, there's this idea you could just... Do whatever you want and you're going to be happy. And it just doesn't work that way because you violate, if you violate your conscience, it makes you worse. You're the one that's getting worse. However you're violating, whatever you're doing wrong, whatever, you know, 
whatever it is you've done wrong, you were the one that violated your conscience, and so therefore it made you worse. And you know it. And it's not somebody else's fault. It's your own fault. And we do that via resentment. Usually starts out with people resenting their their parents because those are usually the, the first people that fail you as a child. Resent your parents, and then it uh, and they're resentable. And you know that no none of the per- parents are perfect. The parents are resentable, and then it uh, and if they fail to mature, people fail to mature. Because part of maturity is learning to, to kind of face your conscience, really. <clears throat> if you've never matured, then uh, you, you just resent this and resent that, and before you know it, you're resenting everything. And you're miserable. Resentment cuts you off from who you could have been. It gives you two wrong choices. You either go along to get along or you try to rebel and you do the opposite. But either way, you're not, you're, you've lost your, the, the connection to your, the original identity that you could have had had you not been enemies with your conscience because resentment also makes you an enemy of your conscience. So... Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Joel's first, the first file that he sent. So here is Joel. Hey, Hey, Tom. Joel McLaughlin here, listening to your last show. Um, In here, you're talking about retirement. That's kind of something I started to think about here and there. Um, I am at least, I'm only 52 right now, so I'm at least, I would say probably 15 years from retirement, but it's you know, something I have been thinking about. Um, kind of one thing not going in my favor is stuff that I've done in the past. Namely, um, when I was working, it, it was a the right decision at the time. But when I was working at the college, which I think that was the last time, probably last and only time we've met in person. But uh, when I worked there, since that was a state-run college, uh, the whole time I was there, because they have the school employee retirement system, the whole time I was there I was paying into that versus paying into... Social Security. I didn't have to pay Social Security when I was working there, so that's one. And I, I've already come to the conclusion that uh, I can't count Social Security, you know, because our government likes to spend so much money. But uh, so that's one thing that's not really going in my favor here. And then the other is uh, the fact that I cast out of that about it. A uh, year or so after I had left the college and moved to my current company, I don't say current job because I've had like three since I've been there. So, but um, that uh was a mistake too. 
They cashed all the money I had in school employee retirement system out, which is roughly $90,000, I think, at the time. Uh, I have a lot more in at the new company already. But um, I kept forty grand of it. Now, we ended up uh, getting nailed on taxes. That's okay. I, I, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, and we're past that. So, but, um, the, uh, rest of it I put into a IRA account. Now I have 401k at my current job. They do some matching here and there. Um, and it's, you know, it's all going to be dependent on how well uh, the stock market does. <laughs> you know, if we have some good years, which, <laughs> right now, not really thinking we're having some good years. <laughs> but once once we do, then uh, I think uh, maybe I can retire about what I want to. I think I don't know. It depends. So, but I still like what I do, but I don't like it as much. I guess I don't know. Maybe it's just me getting older. But so that's one thing I'm talking about. Uh, the other is uh, customer service, and kind of your experience you had at the at the scale is is highlights customer service and kind of how bad it is in our country. Uh, you know, she had the ability to go look on the computer and see your full physical, but you know, just didn't. Or when she did, she only looked for the things that she was looking for, and that's it. So. Um, I have, well, have currently, will not have very shortly. I've paid into this, to this, uh, plan for, uh, fixing stuff around the house because I don't like fixing washers and dryers and stuff like that, you know, and air conditioning, you know, um, back in August, August 23rd to be exact. Our uh, front load washer started to spurt water, all right, out through the soap dispenser. So I called them, assuming that I wasn't going to have to pay anything. And they said, well, it wasn't covered. So I'm like, okay, well, I just want to pay and get it fixed. All right. So I did that. The guy came yesterday. Well, the parts, there was a whole saga on the parts, all right. They, we only got one part to begin with, and he needed at least two, all right. So... The uh, that was one customer service fail. They sent the wrong part. The next was um, they came out yesterday. Well, not only did they send the wrong part, but they also sent the wrong the part that they did send. If he wanted to put that part in to our washer, it was still the wrong part. So. Uh, he says, well, we got to order the other part, and then I'll be back once, you know, once you get that part. All right. Okay. You know, that, that's, you know, that's a huge customer service fail. Then this morning, I woke up, and I got an email that says, the quote for your repair is another $362. I'm like, hold the phone, dude. I already paid, and you never fixed it. <laughs> 
So I'm going to be making, uh, after my call this morning, I'm going to be making a call to uh, our, uh, to that company and say, what's the deal and how fast can you get it? And here it is, what, it's September 15th. And my washer's been down since August 23rd. <laughs> you know, it, and I'll say this, you know, with washers and dryers and most appliances that we have now, if you buy new, uh, they're definitely not what made how they were back uh, in the night, even in the 90s. Now, you know, in the 90s, you can buy one and you can use uh, that washer dryer pair. We had one that we used for 15 years before it even started having problems. So, granted, you know, some of this is we had to buy uh, towards the tail end of the pandemic and the supply thing, but, you know, it's like they just don't make them like they used to. Where it has it, though, uh, um, I was talking with one of my friends at work on Slack, and uh, he recommend he said that he heard that Speed Queen is, is the brand to buy. Uh, there's, there's no computer in it. There's no, you know, it's not as high tech as the other stuff, but they work and they work for a long time. And they're also very expensive. I think my wife looked at it and one now granted, I don't know what she exactly she was looking at, but she said it was $2,000 just for the washer. And I'm like, oof. But okay. Let me interrupt. Actually, I have a speed queen washer that I bought several years ago you may remember me talking about it i think i uh, maybe 2015 i don't remember in any case i deliberately got the one you know it's just a regular it's conventional top load model it's uh, basically commercial version except you know the speed queens are you know basically they're you know they do sell to consumers so this is basically the same type of thing that you did a commercial laundromat would buy, and they're they're very well put together, very you know super reliable. They've got a really long warranty, uh, and the thing does a superb job. So, but it I made sure that I got the version that has the mechanical timer. That's, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted the one with the mechanical timer and it's top load and uh, the thing does a fantastic job. Now, when I bought that, it was like $600. And then they also had a top load version that had a, like a digital control thing and I wanted the mechanical timer. Why do something digital if there's, a you know, if you can make, some, you know, like a tried and true mechanical timer... Uh, you know, with the sort of electromechanical functionality, if as long as that's tried and true, then there's really no point in having the digital controls. You know, the, where you've got the, the kind of a touch, uh, you know, like surface mount touch uh, electronics. That just, you know, there's room for that. You know, of course, we all have that type of stuff, but there's really no point in it if, if you can do the same thing with a mechanical timer. So, uh, and I haven't priced Speed Queens. Now, they, if you're looking for, Speed Queen does make front loads, front loading machines, and I know that's kind of been the big fad for the, the past number of years is the, the front loading machines. 
So those probably are more expensive. You know, and I know that that's for some reason people think that the that the front loads are more desirable or whatever. Uh, maybe they are. I don't know, but I'm I've been perfectly happy with a top load machine, and uh, as far as I know, they're still, I you know I, they're still around. You know, they're probably you know maybe six seven hundred dollars i don't know what's happened with inflation with them but uh the top loaders are going to be cheaper than the front loads but the you know the but i can say that the speed queen that i have is just it, you know it's been superb i love that machine you know typically whenever i come home i'll do uh three or four loads of laundry and I carry enough clothing with me that I never have to go to a truck stop laundromat because that's a those that's its own nightmare. Uh, so I, you know, bring my I've got a large laundry bag and uh, kind of a netted laundry bag that I put my dirty clothes in and uh, bring it home and dump it out and sort it. And like I say, I'll usually have three to four loads each time I'm home, and then. Uh, take the you know the the clothing back out to the truck and start over again so anyway let's go on now my opinion now what i would have done you know if it wasn't just me in the house is i'd just buy a new washer i don't care if it matches the other one buy it throw it on the platform we're good to go <laughs> you know um, but the wife is like no it has to be matching and i'm like okay whatever so uh, that's, how, that's what happened when the dryer went out uh, well, uh, like a year or so after we first went in. That one that one was significantly older than the pair we have now. But anyway, but that just, I mean, everything just seems to be horrible with regards to customer service. And, you know, and, um, and I hear the president saying, oh, the economy's good. I'm like, in your dreamland, maybe. Thank you, Joel. I had myself muted there. <laughs> uh, so let's, you know, of course you can't, whatever the, the, the resident says, I just, I keep all that stuff shut off because it's just all, it's all propaganda and it's all designed to kind of keep people sort of locked into their uh, brainwashing, you know, so it's best just to shut all that stuff off. Okay, so we got another file here from Joel. So once again, here's Joel. Hey, Tom, it's Joel McLaughlin here. Thought Check in with you. Make sure you're uh, doing all right. I'm sure you are. But I'm heading back home from church after getting my uh, Tabata exercise in. Good night. Last week, though, I was in Virginia. And therefore, a work thing. And I just started thinking about how the, how, um, we have different, like, we have our family family, you know, which, you know, family by blood. And we have other communities or families 
if you will. And I was thinking about about like last week I got to spend some time with people that I'm going to be honest, I've actually known probably here almost 20 years uh, because I have always, I've worked since 03 with, uh, with Colleague, which is the name of the product that I work on um, for colleges. So it was nice, real nice to see with them. And it just drives home to me how the COVID years was really a bad time in the world. Not saying we're even through, uh, well, I think we're moved on to the next bad time, but, um, but just being able to spend time with those of like minds for different reasons, you know, either your family or like tonight, my church family, it just drives home how important those those things are. Yeah, and uh, those are the. It's not all the things you do with those people. It's the relationships you build. You now here I'm sitting here in a car in Ohio, talking to a trucker whom I've only met in person like one time, I think. <laughs> um, Twice. But I consider you a friend. And uh, if you're ever in Ohio again, of course, we'll we'll we'll, we'll have to uh, get together sometime, go out to dinner. But the uh, whole thing, though, is, is that there just seems to be something in this world. I want to say the devil. It's trying to keep you away from this. From away from building communities, building relationships, and uh, that it could, it could be a politician, it could be, it could be the actual devil, whatever. It just seems like to me that there's something going on in this world that's trying to force people apart. Okay, well, let me interrupt. Yeah, you could say that, you know, and you could say it's a sort of a spirit. Uh, but, you know, and it's easy to say, well, it's in a politician. Yeah, it's, it probably it is in politicians. But maybe the thing that we fail to recognize, it's in us too. The line between good and evil uh, runs right through every human heart. Every single one of us has, you know, has the potential for good and the potential for evil. And thus, uh, what I was talking about in the beginning, We have a conscience, and this, this conscience, we're struggling between what is right and what is wrong. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do in the present moment? And the problem is that uh, wrong can look right, and right can look wrong, and it and and that all kind of depends on. 
if we've sort of embraced the wrong side of our ego, because we all have a wrong side of our ego. And, you know, so you kind of embrace, you do what's wrong, you kind of listen to the devil's spirit, and you sort of do the wrong thing, and then your conscience comes along and tells you you are wrong, and you think, oh my God, that guilty conscience, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, I find, you know, distract myself or find someone that I can convince uh, that wrong is right and right is wrong. Of course, the example, you know, I like to make extreme examples to illustrate the principle. Let's say you're a female and you've had an abortion. Someone, you know, talked you into an abortion and they, you know, told you, oh, you know, maybe you, you think that you actually did a good thing by aborting, you know, killing your baby. But the problem is you killed your baby. And it, it doesn't matter whether society says that it's an okay thing to do to kill your child. It's obviously not an okay thing to, to, to kill your child, whether it's inside the womb and you can't see it or it's outside the womb and you can see it. You killed your child. You killed your child. And so what are you going to do then? You, you got this conscience that's tell you know, can you imagine a conscience that would come along if you killed your own child? Could you imagine the conscience? It would be one thing, you know, like let's say, God forbid, that you accidentally backed over your own child. You know, and it was an accident. You'd still feel guilty. Imagine that you deliberately caused it to happen. You know, th via an abortion. Just imagine the the kind of guilt that you'd feel. So then you, you're going to try to get away from that. Conscience is making you feel guilty. Oh, my God, i got to get away from it. Find somebody that, uh, you know, we'll have an, um, we'll get together and we'll, you know, like birds of, feather flock, birds of a feather flock together. We'll have a pride march. Abortion pride. What we did was noble. We, you know, the world, there's too many people in the world anyway, is the rational, one of the rationalizations. They're better, you know, they're better off dead than, uh, than being miserable. Because if they were raised, you know, you know, then they'd be somehow they'd be miserable, and so they're, you know, they're they're just happier dead somehow, which is insane. Once you start down the path towards seeing right as wrong and wrong as right, then before you know it. You see the world backwards. You're seeing an you're seeing it in, in, an inversion, and then right becomes a threat because it's it's threatening to to uh, upend the false reality that you've created. So that line between right and wrong is between is is in every single one of us, and that's what we have to be willing to admit. That's what we have to be willing to see. That's what we have to be willing to face. And it's really easy to, to convince yourself that uh, 
that you know that that I'm not a part. It's somebody else's problem. Somebody else caused this to happen. I you know I did this and I did that and I'm a good person and so therefore, it wasn't me that did it. And maybe it wasn't you that did it, but it is still necessary for us to look at ourselves. You know, it's it's easy to find fault in other people. We gotta look we gotta be willing to look at ourselves and constantly examine our own motives. And that's where the peace from the peace that passes all understanding is to be found. Is if you can really constantly look at your own motivation and not be enemies with your conscience ever, if you can manage that, then. A piece, you know, kind of a peace of mind, and the words sort of fail at this point. But there's a, a peace of mind that just kind of passes all understanding. So then, you know, it's it's possible to sort of look out in the world, and yeah, the world's troubles troubled, and there's all this stuff going on, and it seems to be getting worse. But at the same time, it's it's as if. I'm in an alternate universe and you know where things are just absolutely peaceful. And I'm not troubled. Now of course maybe you can say I'm living in a bubble. And that might be the case. But at the same time, it's it's a whole lot, you know. It's a whole lot, you know. In this the this bubble that I'm in, if you want to call it that, is a whole lot more peaceful than uh, I can't imagine the the turmoil that people are going through. And the anxiety that they're feeling, because I, you know, I have zero anxiety when it comes to this stuff, so. Anyway, let's uh, go back to Joel. Ever since uh, 2020, yeah, there, there's a one thing that I, I probably won't do for my work family is, is if they ever, if they ever said that I had to uh, move to Virginia to keep my job, I would go looking for another job. Probably, they're not going to do that. They value people. Uh, there's no, like, a, there's a lot of companies now that are literally, I have a friend, in fact, that forces them to go into work three days a week. And um, that, that, you know, like, when you look at a pecking order of what's important in your life, my work isn't nearly as important as either my family or my church family. So... Uh, while I do enjoy their company and just being around them like it was last week, they are nowhere near as important in my life as my family or my church family or even friends like you. And 
there's there's a concept called an ERG or employee resource group. And I know you've kind of talked about this before, but you talk about like like how important like uh some of this stuff is. You know, there, there, Ben Shapiro, I, I listened to him, he says one of the biggest problems in the, in the world today is the fact that people don't go to church anymore. And I think that's true. You know, there was a time where where uh, people just went to church because uh, I, I guess some felt like they had to go, you know, but I think, like, that might be how you feel when you're young, probably how I felt when I was young, but now I feel quite the opposite. Not I have to go to church, I get to go to church. And I love doing it. And I love going there and I love serving other people. Let me interrupt once again. What you need to do, you know, and that's part of it is to, you know, you surround yourself with like minded like minded people. And so part of this, and an important part of conscience, you know, of kind of wrestling with conscience, a very important part of it is you're kind of bouncing off of other people. And this is, you know, from a technical standpoint, this, you know, having other people around as part of, you know, the group that we're part of, having other people around really does uh, help us maintain our sanity because if you know it's it's been shown that uh, if we're isolated for uh, you know any long period of time we tend to go crazy you know we tend to lose our you know we lose touch with reality so it really is necessary to uh, have a group of people and you can kind of be selective about it, but have a group of people that you're, that you're, uh, you know, kind of part of, part of the group. You know, and and hopefully it's uh, you know you're you're selecting your peop your friends kind of based on. Uh, Well, it's, you know, in large part, it's going to be, you know, if you're genuine, you know, and I can only, you know, I'm kind of going by my own uh, experience, but I tend to be, you know, you think, you know, you hear me talk in this uh, podcast. Well, I, you know, when I'm dealing with uh, people, if I have any, you know, much of a conversation at all with people, this same uh, exact uh, subject matter come, just pops right out. And I, you know, I'll have, you know, like a genuine conversation with people. Some people are, you know, really find that uh, to be kind of an attractive thing. And, uh, and then there's other people that, uh, you know, there's maybe sort of repelled by it. So I tend to end up with friends that... I can have these sort of conversations with. And that's actually quite useful. It's useful for me, certainly. 
And it's useful, hopefully it's useful for them to have those sorts of conversations as well. And that's been, you know, one of the big benefits of, you know, one of the reasons I've continued to, continued with this podcast for so long is because it has enabled me to kind of talk about these things in a way that, uh, really i probably it would actually have been impossible otherwise but our our society our uh, communities in large part have kind of been disrupted and and they've been you know there's just so many different things that are that are uh, that can serve as distractions, and then you've had the problem of uh, you know this didn't all just happen in a vacuum, and it didn't happen overnight. The society has never been perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect society. There's no such thing as perfect communities, and so. But it you know back in the you know I think really our current problems kind of date back at least to the 1950s. You know, World War II, world's greatest generation, saved the world, and they came back uh, and they failed to transmit their value system to their children. And so then it's there's been, you know, several generations since then, and it's just kind of gone downhill. And it and it's not, you know, it may not even be the majority. Let's say it's just one-third. Let's say it's one-third of the kids that... Uh, you know, in the in the that came after the World War II generation, let's say one third of them were didn't integrate into the community very well. You know, and the evidence of it's the 1960s and all of the the ridiculous stuff that went on, and uh, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. It's kind of like the population pro you know the demographic problem you know people think well there's too many people in the world and the world population is still expanding which is true and it will continue to expand for some you know probably some period of time maybe like 2050 at least before it starts actually going down but in a lot of western countries what has happened is that uh there are two-thirds of the people, even in Japan, which Japan's been leading the way with this, you know, kind of a demographic collapse. Even in Japan, two-thirds of the people are having just as many kids as they did, uh, that they always did. So you have, uh, you know, families of four kids or three kids, two kids, whatever. So that's very common. But one-third, the thing that's happened, and this has happened kind of worldwide in different societies at different, you know, at different times, but it started, but uh, one-third of the people didn't have any kids, and that would include me. You know, I, I was part of this so-called baby boom generation, which I like to call the baby doom generation with a D. Uh, but one-third of the baby boom generation just didn't have kids, which that actually includes me in that. I had no kids. So you have one generation, one-third of them don't have, they don't have any kids, and then the next generation comes along and one-third of them don't have kids and so on and so forth. And so you can see how the, 
the population of kids just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And in the meantime, you've got all these old people that are kind of uh, causing the, the population pyramid to swell at the top. You know, and who's going to support all those old buggers? You know? So it's, it's gotten to be a big prop. Japan sort of led the way because back in the late 70s, every, the, everyone thought that Japan was this big juggernaut and, it, boy, it was just going to take over the world. There was even this uh, song, I Think I'm Turning Japanese. You can look it up if you've never heard it. But it was a hit song they played on the radio, I Think I'm Turning Japanese. Well, what ended up happening? The demographic cliff. Japan all of a sudden didn't have the, you know they just sort of uh, fizzled out to a large extent. They didn't take over the world. They weren't a big juggernaut. After all, they had a demographic problem. You can't start. You can't simply clone the next generation of you know like if you don't have enough eighteen year old eighteen year olds to go to work in your factories and start raising fam. You can't simply start uh, cloning them. You got already. They already have to be there. You know, they started out eighteen years before. You know. So anyway, let's go back to listening to Joel. But when it comes down to it, an employee resource group doesn't hold a candle to my church, small group, my church, or any of that stuff. You know, any of the stuff that, that companies try to do to build teams and stuff like that. I mean, they, don't get me wrong. They're good. They were good activities. We had team building activity at George Mason University. And it was really good. But I don't value it near as much as I value other things in my life. I mean, you think that's, you know, I used to say uh, when I was younger, when I was working for the college that, it felt like 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 family working there. Uh, I was wrong. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's nice to be around those people, but when you leave and nobody there really bothers to reach out to you and talk to you, you know, I there are certain people that I worked with there that I do that with still. To this day, but a work relationship has no. You, know, you spend a lot of time at work, so it's important to get along with your your friends at work. But when you leave that company, will those friends actually talk to you afterwards? That's important. You know. Um, and if they don't, then, you know, don't feel too bad, like, when you leave, <laughs> you know, or and they don't reach back out to you, you know. So, but that's why, like, there's certain people like you, and I have other folks that I've met online that I, I will do that with regularly. I'll send them a boxer, send them an email, you know, but I can't always be around them. But my church people, my church family, I see them. Sometimes two or three times a week. My family, I see every day. All right. Sometimes I'll go through days where I only talk to my boss in the morning. 
today was kind of one of those days. <laughs> so, um, but when you see some people that are pushing for more of what we went through in 2020 and 2021, no, thank you. Take care, brother. Okay. Well, thank you again, Joel. So, yeah, it's really important to have, you know, have people. And like I say, uh, it's useful to have, you know, kind of sh things that are shared in common. And some of those, they don't necessarily have to be really deep philosophical things necessarily. They can be more, you know, kind of more shallow things. But I think, at least in my experience, they really the best ones are sort of deep philosophical things. Those it's been my experience that those sorts of people, uh, you know, where I can have really meaty philosophical conversations with people, those kind of people make the best friends. You know, and uh, and it's it's kind of, it's it's sort of a self-selecting process. You know, so that, like I say, so if someone feel, you know, if they're put off by that, then they're probably not, you know, they're not going to have anything to do with me, you know. Excuse me. And at the same time, if they're, uh, you know, they're, you know, some, you know, someone's kind of interested in something that sort of puts me off, then I'm not uh, likely not to pursue any kind of a friendship with them. You know, and then the other thing with friendship, it sort of takes two to tango. So you both have to have uh, some interaction with, you know, it, it can't all be one-sided. You know, so it, it you know, it, it, you know, both of you have to kind of be engaged together. And uh, that, you know, it's, it's not easy finding and cultivating those sort of friendships, but at the same time, I think it's easier than some people, th than you know, give it credit for. You know, because there are places where you can uh, find people, and you know, and, and at church, you know, obviously could be a, a good place for that. You know, so, but there's there are opportunities to. To, you know, you don't have to just be lonely or whatever. There are plenty of opportunities out there if you, you know, where to uh, find them. And again, it, it sort of has to be based around your own, you know, something that you would kind of naturally do. You know, it's got to be kind of based around your own mindset, your sort of your own behavior, uh, etc. So... Anyway, how long have we been recording? Is this even tell? Does this tell me somewhere where I've been going? Because this has all been one big long live. Oh yeah, we've been going for an hour and fifteen minutes. So I've been recording this uh, on this OBS studio, so it is going to be put up on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> feel sorry for whoever's watching it. But, uh, you know, whatever. But I will, you know, it does, you know, this. it is easy for me to just split this off then and, uh, you know, 
make an MP3 file out of it and then put it up as a podcast. And so, and but the advantage of, of doing it with this uh, OBS Studio is the, is the fact that I've got the setup is already here, and you know, in, in my little office room, the setup's already here, and with the computer and the microphone and everything. So I don't have to cart the go out to the truck and bring in the microphone and the other stuff because there's been plenty of you know over the years I've had to do that when I recorded a podcast at home I'd have to go out and get the stuff and then bring it in and then when I was done make sure I took it all back out to the truck and so with this setup I don't have to do that it's just all right here and all I have to do is basically turn the computer on the turn the computer on make sure it's updated because there's you know there's always updates you know, every month there's new updates, and so it makes sure it's all updated, and then uh, maybe reboot it once or twice for the updates, and then uh, do the recording, and uh, works pretty well. So, anyhow, hope everyone uh, is having a great weekend. Hope you have a great week coming up, and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. <laughs> <laughs>